0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to Think Big Bodybuilding Media. I'm Scott McNally. I'm back with Tommy Styles. We are going to continue our case study in training today. We're going to talk about chest. Uh, You know, I have a couple notes before we get started, Tommy. Uh, Anybody who is catching this on video, Uh, We also have our audio podcast It's been moved New RSS feed is Think Big Bodybuilding So you can find that at iTunes SoundCloud, Spotify Google Play Store Whatever, I don't know Um, Also we are uh, Presented by True Nutrition All of our programming is Uh, You can uh, check us out and support our show By uh, using our code Advices, a lot of great health supplements Performance supplements, bulk supplements All sorts of formulas enough of that tommy styles man it's been a minute how you been
1: i'm good brother glad to see your back moving around yeah tell me
0: about it man we uh we got a lot of really good feedback on our first installment of this uh series. we if you guys haven't seen it uh it's been a couple months now tommy and i broke down basically the anatomy of a back workout uh, we we talked about everything from start to finish and what's going through our minds uh, while we're doing it. Um, you know, both of us have been training for a long time and neither of us have had, I would say, like the best genetics. But we've been able to make some decent progress. Uh, now Tommy's out in Arizona training with Dusty, so he's been getting some cool insights out there. Um, I've had the opportunity to train with a lot of uh, really well-known uh, people that I've respected through the years and we're going to try to share that with you guys here today. Um, like I said, Tommy, we got some good feedback on that one, man. Then I got sick and uh, everything fell apart. I couldn't really think about training for a while, but I- I'm glad to be back, man. How's your training going?
1: It's going good. Um, still still strong. Haven't really lost much. Um, pulled back the volume a little bit as uh, we Move on in this prep, so I'm eight weeks out tomorrow okay. eight, eight and ten weeks out so uh food's still pretty high, cardio's daily now, but um I still believe the best way to burn body fat is uh with your training intensity hmm. so that's my performance is something I constantly audit um constantly make sure I'm able to uh to push it and then obviously you listen to your body but um, we'll be able to touch on some things that have helped me still keep training intensity high in prep, because, um, you know, you and I are the same, you don't really, you don't lower the training, you don't change the training up just because you're in prep and calories get lower and uh, caloric expenditure is higher, you still try to, you know, do what you did that got you the muscle in the first place. Sure. So, uh, well, we'll be able to touch on some of that. But, yeah, I also got a lot of good feedback on the the first episode we put out, so... Somebody likes what we're saying.
0: We'll try to keep this going now. Now that we're back, uh, we'll uh, bring the next installment. Well, let's shoot for like maybe every couple weeks. We'll put these out. Um, If you guys have any suggestions, (coughs) anything that you would like us to cover next, let us know. So we did back, today we're going to do chest. Uh, Chest is something that uh, Tommy and I both have had to really think about. This isn't an exercise, this isn't a muscle group that just came naturally for me. And I believe that's the same for you, isn't it?
1: Very much. Yeah. When I learned how to press, I didn't learn how to press with my chest. I learned how to press just to move the weight. Cause yeah. you know, like anybody who got into the gym, I might've just wanted to have a really good flat bench press. Yeah, um, Like we were all chasing at one point. Um, so I never learned how to engage my chest in a press. I was very delt dominant, so I grew big front delts and had no chest. And the presentation that I had, if you look at my physique from Front Relax, is almost like one of those big salad bowls. You got your two ends out here and then it it caves in. Okay. So that's, uh, I had to fill in the gaps and and really break everything down, um, toss some movements that don't work with me. You know, I'm 5'10", and pretty long limbs, so I've had to play with ranges of motion um, I've had to work on mobility as I have with every, you know, muscle group I've had to increase my mobility and just uh, really get analytical with my training and with my, uh, my performance, you know, the cadence of the reps down to all the details. I mean, kind of, we were talking off the air, but you and I aren't blessed with the ability just to pick up weights and, and grow. We have to really, you know, have a stubborn approach that we're not going to quit because it's harder for us. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, a blessing because it allows us to talk and bounce ideas off of each other and even, you know, have the opportunity to put episodes like we're putting out right now. Sure,
0: absolutely. Yeah, it's it's through that experience that, you know, and, and here's what I'm hoping, uh, you know, I, I know both of us get asked by other people, people who are newer to lifting weights, that, that you know, they, they want to know, like, well, what do you do for this? How do you train that muscle? And having had to think about it a lot, you've had the ability to then, like, you know, learn how to articulate what you're doing too. So I definitely mm-hmm. think that, you know, having to had go through the hard work is helpful. Uh, let's just dive into it, man. Uh, where does your chest training start?
1: Uh, it starts with mobility and potentiation, which we covered in the first episode. Um, so I, I, I really got to get my shoulders moving. I've got some, I don't have any major shoulder injuries, but I've just got... You know, they're, they've taken a beating um, just from pressing. And I was a baseball player before I got into bodybuilding, so that that takes a toll. Mm. Um, so I spend t- 10 minutes, you know, with bands just doing different um, different warm-up stuff. Uh, just really making sure the rotator cuff, the effort spinatus, all of those little muscles that are in the shoulder are ready and, and warm um, yeah. before I even touch up our dumbbells. Um, from there, I'll do some, some light flies on the pec deck just to get some blood flowing in my chest. That's kind of where I um, I just really squeeze the reps out. I'm not even trying to accumulate any fatigue. I just wanna make a connection with my mind and my chest. Um, you know, We talked about it before, but everything we're talking about in these episodes is from the perspective of bodybuilding. Now, I could move something with ease from point A to point B, but if I wanna move it with my chest, mm-hmm. I have to engage it in the stretch and then contract it to the point of you know maximum contraction. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to I'm trying to build that that mental connection. It's kind of like starting a fire. Like when you first get the fire going, it takes a while to really get burning. But as it as heat you know um, heat rises and the fire builds up, then you it starts to stoke right. So that's kind of the mentality I try to take when I'm getting into it. Um, and then from there, so. What I'll do is I'll cover a workout that I did Tuesday for chess because okay. um, it's really fresh in my mind and I'll be able to, um, you know, like everything, it's short and sweet. I don't do a ton of volume. I don't have a ton of movements, but I try to maximize the effort that I give to each movement. So I started with incline barbell um, and I haven't done incline barbell in weeks because hmm. um, Dusty was dealing with a, you know, a pec tear. So. Our chest training was kind of abbreviated around that, which is fine with me. Um, so warm-up wise, when I get deeper into a prep, I, uh, the first thing that will start to take a hit for me is pressing strength.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, I don't have as much you know, fluid around the joint and the shoulder, and uh, it's just I have long arms. I've never been a strong presser to begin with. I'll preface that right now. Like I, I do not have any amazing numbers. I don't put four oh five on the bar and rip it out. Um every five pounds that I've been able to add to each side I've had to grind for. So mm. um if you struggle with pressing, I'm I'm here for you. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Um so you know, I started with the bar, just 15 reps. Again, same thing as the pec deck, just really trying to feel the chest open and then contract at the top of each rep. I think that's a big thing to, uh, to really make sure you're doing when you're getting into your pressing, if, whether it's your first exercise or any exercise, is make sure the chest is opening. Because it's easy to take the bar to the bottom but not open your chest. You can mm. still be shoulders rolled forward and closed. Yeah. And, you, you know, the, the, it's moving, but you're not moving it with your chest, right? So I think making sure that that chest muscle is opened up um, or both pecs are opened up is, is key. I don't think a lot of people get themselves to a point where they can they have a full active range of motion before they start training. Hmm, yeah, because what what do a lot of people do? They probably go in the gym. Maybe they go to the flat barbell, or if they're bodybuilders and they've listened to you know all the podcasts you put out, maybe they have a different program. But a lot of people are going to go in and they're going to put one forty five on each side and they're going to start repping, right? Right, right. That's that's the traditional approach. So my thinking is is maybe take a step back and take a slower approach to to getting up to that 135 make sure that when you get to 135 you're already you're primed yeah and then we go from there so you know I did 45 15 reps I did 25s on each side for 10 reps and then I put a 45 on each side eight reps as I increase weight to get to my working set uh, I de- decrease the reps so it's ascending weight descending reps is kind of how I would describe it. Um, and I had a goal, my scheme for the workout was I wanted two sets with the incline barbell. Um, first set six to eight second set. I wanted it to be anywhere from eight to 12. Um, so from 135, I go to 185, get that for four or five, four or five from there, go to 225, get that for three from there add a 10 to each side. And get that for you know two and then i add another 10 to each side so now we're at 265 and you know i didn't know what my working weight was going to be because i haven't done this movement in weeks Mm -hmm. so i was i'd rather play it i don't want to say err on the side of caution but what i don't want to do is put a weight on the bar especially this deep in prep that i'm only going to get for three reps sure no that's that's a risk man yeah i've done that in prep before where it's like you think the strength is there and it's just not and it's not a negative, you know, you're not, you're not going to be putting up record numbers when you're at some point of your prep yeah. and you have to just accept that. Um, and I don't think I'm at that point in my prep yet, but I just knew on this movement that I needed to err on the side of caution. I wanted to still keep the mindset that I'm a bodybuilder. I'm not trying to have a three rep press. Right. Um, so two sixty five, you know, that went for six reps on my own and then a four seventh, which I was okay with. Um, and then for the second set, I backed it down to 225 and got that for nine, and then another fourth rep. Um, okay. So nine, nine plus one. That's kind of how my first exercise went. And then by then, the whole, you know, my, I had a, a full pump from right underneath my clavicle all the way down to where the pec ties in and the pec minor. So, so- I and mean, I think I had that because I, you know, I did all that warm up work. It took me about 30 minutes to get through that first exercise. Okay. And while I'm doing that, I was drinking my intra hydrating, you know, I have EAs, create all, you know, the same stuff everybody else is drinking, but you're getting all that that in, intra workout in you. Um blood's flowing, the pump, you know, is starting. And then from there, and I'll we'll still touch on the rest of the workout, but I felt that the rest of my session went really well and I had a good mind-muscle connection because of the warm-up I took with that first exercise. So I took, you know, six warm-up sets, six or seven warm-up sets before I did a working set. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I um I do a lot of warm ups too to get where I want to be because I'm I'm doing something similar. Like a lot of people are doing a heavy set and then a back off set. That's been kind of my common theme. Um I'm kinda I'm not going by my workout from Tuesday because uh I'm still just coming back. But I can tell you this that uh learning to be strong on the pressing movements has been a goal that I've set. Uh, at the the end of 2019 and I've told this story a couple times on the podcasts but uh, it was David Smith who saw my dumbbell press uh, and he pointed out to me he was like hey that's really good I shot a video uh, and it was like the hundred pound dumbbells and it was like all I had and it was when I, w- I was out at Ron's gym out at West Coast Iron and I was okay. all pumped up and I got this set up and I shot a video and I posted it and I'm like yeah and and I did say now I'm going to try to stay at this weight and keep working with it, you know, and try to get more efficient, more effective, be safer with it, all that. But but uh, his comment was that's really nice. Uh, it looks like you're working on your lockout. He's like, I was like, you know, motherfucker, this is a full set, you know. But right. I was the thing was is I wasn't I wasn't using a full range of motion, so. Um, I've I had to back off at the beginning of the quarantine I was training from home with light dumbbells that allowed me to actually start working on that full range of motion Well, we can add video to this so I'll, I'll show some video to demonstrate on the range of motion I use but I had learned a lot from from David Smith on making sure I get that full range of motion and with that came really an understanding of uh, as you said, the importance of having like good mobility, you know good flexibility in my body, and that went beyond just the pecs, like all the supporting stuff that goes to that, like into the ribs, into the lats, my shoulders, everything um so I've worked on a lot of stretches uh between training just to just to try to be as strong as I can. I think that I think that chest training is one of the more dangerous exercises for a bodybuilder. I know a lot of guys have torn a peck. And especially as you start getting older, if you want to continue to be strong, and my goal's been to be as strong as I possibly can be, I've wanted to really make sure that I take my time um, and warm up. I want to make sure that I've got all that mobility stuff. So for me, a lot of the mobility is before I train on other days. Couple of days a week where I'm actually doing like mobility stretches and uh, and massage and stuff like that. Um, lately, I've been starting with that big key lift. You know, we talked on ch- or on back training that we'll do a pull down first, and then we'll go to a row movement. And the row movement is that like that big meat and potatoes exercise. Uh, Lately, I've been going straight to that big meat and potatoes exercise on chest. In the past, Mm -hmm. I would pre-fatigue by going to one all-out set on the pec deck and then one back-off set. And I found that to work really well. I'll get to that later because we we both have the common issue of being shoulder-dominant. Um, And and we did want to kind of touch on some of the common issues that people deal with. So we'll get to those common issues later. And I'll talk a little bit more about pre-fatiguing and how that helped me um, to help grow the chest. But uh, now lately, I just go straight into those dumbbell presses. And like you, I'll do the same thing where I really take my time trying to warm up. And I'm, I'm watching my form, I'm using an incline dumbbell. that's my favorite exercise, and I'm making sure that I get that full range of motion. I think what I've learned and, and, and you know like I said I've talked to David Smith about this a lot, for me, it's important that I engage that muscle from the very start of the movement. So I bring mm-hmm. it to the bottom where I want to be, and then I make sure you know it, it, it sounds it sounds like common sense. I don't think everybody thinks about it though, is making sure that you're engaging, you're pushing that with that pec muscle, you know, from the very beginning. Um, I've known a lot of people who end up having really good shoulders, really good triceps and, you know, no chest. And I think that that's from what I've analyzed working with some of my clients that have been in that position. That's, that's what I've seen where they aren't engaging from the pec first. And I think that that's the number one thing you can do if you have weak ch- a weak chest is to to make sure that you are engaging from it. So I'll start really light. Um, I've worked up to the one hundred twenty five pound dumbbells. Uh, that's been it's actually one hundred thirty pound dumbbells if you count the handle. Uh, but uh, that's been my my best uh, up until I had gotten sick. Um, and that was a couple months ago So I'm rebuilding at this point But if I were to warm up with the say the 25s I'll go to the 40s for 8 reps, 10 reps And then I'll go to the 60s or 65s For you know 4 or 5 reps And really take my time on those uh, you know, 85s for you know 2 reps The 100s for 2 reps uh, And then from there if I was going to like 115 I'd be good to go Maybe I, if I'm going to 125, I might to need to pick up a little bit more and just do one or two reps uh, with with a slightly lighter dumbbell just to make sure that I'm ready to go. Um, and for me, I want to make sure this is what's critical for me. I want to make sure that my form now is 100% on whatever I'm doing, and I really control my negatives. They're pretty slow. I think they're pretty slow. Like I could go faster on them, but... I get a lot out of that, and I feel like it keeps me safer. You know, I could move faster and use a heavier a heavier poundage, but I would rather have that control and get as much as I can out of a slightly less heavy weight. I feel that it's going to be just as effective for me uh, than having gone heavier. Uh, like I said, I'll work up to one heavy set. I try not to go lower than eight reps. That's, that's where I feel comfortable. Um, I do think... That chest is a, a muscle group that you can go slightly lower reps in uh, than some other body parts and get a good workout with it uh, and get some good growth. But for me, if I start getting down into like the sixes and then that means maybe if I lifted something that was too heavy, I might only get four or five. For me, that's a little bit too much of a risk now in my 40s. So I want to make sure I can at least get six at all time and shoot for eight, you know, work toward right. 10, something like that. Um, but like you, you know, I'm I'm hitting a set for about eight. And then after that, I, I maybe will reduce it slightly and then try to get just as many reps as I can, which, you know, if, it, if if I were to get the 125s for, let's say, seven, then I might drop to the 115s or even the 110s. Um Hell, on some days, maybe even the 105s and just really work on perfect form and, and get as many reps as I possibly can. Maybe I get 13 on that. I don't know. Uh, but that's where i'm at and i uh, like i said sometimes i in the past i've used pec deck actually sometimes i should say religiously used that uh but now uh i just go straight into that that big main exercise for me
1: yeah i'm glad you touched on that i'm the same cuz with back we both like that one that one movement before to really almost get us mentally ready for the, yeah, for the yeah. meat and potato movement and then With chest, we both like to get into the meat and potato movement right away, and then just spend a good bit of time warming up. I mean, my whole session's probably an hour fifteen, and the first thirty minutes is on warm ups for one exercise.
0: Yeah. Now, are you You training chest? Is chest uh, chest uh, uh, by itself, or are you training it with other body parts?
1: By itself, right? Okay. Okay. We've had it that way for a while, so we split up chest and shoulders. I've done push-pull legs. I mean, I did that for years. Yeah. Um, I've done DC. So I've done chest in a bunch of different ways. And actually, the best progress I've made is when it's been by itself. Okay. On this uh, five-day body part split we've been running for for months, probably since we were doing two-a-days. Um, nice. So, yeah, that, I, that was one thing I wanted to touch on that you said. And then where are you at with, um, with hand I'm not, not hand. you're on dumbbells, but, um, for me, hand placement, I used to go wider and I think I huh. went wider because it gave me the ability to move more weight. Okay. So now I've, I've moved my hands in and I'm not, I'm trying to get less elbow flare. Um, so I, I've moved my hands in to a point where I can almost, my elbows aren't at 90. They're almost, they're not tucked completely, obviously, cause I'm on a barbell, but they are, I am turning them downwards slightly yeah, yeah. when I'm pressing. Yeah. That allows me, because you touched on pressing with the pack out of the bottom. Yeah. I think I didn't do that when I for years. That's why I pressed wrong, because I used momentum from coming down, and then I kind of used, like, an elastic recoil where you would just, like, let go of that last four inches and then use that re- or that inertia to go back up. Sure. Um, and it totally bypassed the pack and then went all to the shoulder. So my front delts got great, you know. In or innervation, but the pecs were just being bypassed. So now, uh, a key for me is just to try to feel at the bottom of my warm ups, not with a heavy obviously, but the bottom of my warm ups, I might like hang there,
0: okay, and really
1: feel where my pec ties in. I want to feel that activate and then press. Huh. I'll probably do that with my, you know, my first three warm up sets when the weight's really light. Yeah, I just want to feel that outer pec fully engage, fully stretch and then drive it up real slow. I don't even try to explode out of the hole on some of those reps. I try to just move it up with you know a good pace, but I'm not trying to explode. That's for the, the working set. Yeah. And then you mentioned um, the negatives. I obviously I'm pretty big on negatives. Dusty and I count for each other, but um, with the warm up sets, I try to be extra, extra with the negatives. Like I'll take them really slow just to sure. establish that mind muscle. And that kind of gives me a little bit of leeway when I'm grinding out some reps on the working set that the negative may or may not speed up, but if it does, it's okay because I think I've established that mind muscle and everything's engaged Yeah, and I'm connected, so I don't feel like I'm, I'm cheating myself.
0: I think for anybody who is uh, listening to this because they're genuinely trying to improve their chest training... Uh, and I'm thinking of especially like a like a newer guy, maybe somebody who hasn't even broken their chest training down the way we are right now. Um, I, I think that what I've noticed personally is when I first started analyzing my training like this, my negatives had to be extra slow. My pauses, because I I do a pause at the bottom, my pause at the bottom had to be like an extra long pause in order to be like okay I'm engaged now go the longer I've done it the faster I've gotten and if you're to watch it the pause might not even look like like an actual long. like it's not a long pause anymore but it's a long enough pause that I can get that engagement going Um, I would say exaggerating those things in the beginning is okay you know you may sacrifice some weight but it's okay to really take your time and be like come down to the bottom and then you know, engage and be like, okay, did I engage? Oh, yeah, I'm engaging. And then begin to press on that negative, really feeling that negative and, and, and you know, really kind of, like you said, learning how to make sure that you're getting what you want out of it is really what it comes down to. And then with time, you know, if it does speed up, you, you've you you've put the foundational work in to make sure that you got what you need. You still always have to check yourself and be like, am I going too fast? But... You know, it's it's it, that's something I've noticed is that my my speed has picked up some, but the engagement is quicker.
1: Yeah, and I agree with that. I think as it becomes, you know, repetition leads to. Um, well, I guess you could say experience, but it just you have more control the more repetitions you've done. Yeah. So over over time, you're able to pick that speed up a little more each each time. Um, John Meadows is a great one. I always reference because he doesn't. Um, you know, he's not really brutally slow with his negatives, but I think that's because he's, he's got such an established mind muscle connection because he's been doing this for decades that he does. He doesn't need to be as slow. Yeah. Whereas like, I think I even touched that on the first episode. There's some exercises still where I have to go slow intentionally just to keep the mind muscle. Cause it's just, it's stronger than it was for me, but it's not to that point where I can blast through reps.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hey one one thing I wanted to mention too uh when you talk about we're we're talking about making sure you're engaged you said you know in not really blasting up until you got to your working set one interesting thing uh that I learned I learned a bunch of interesting things from him that I learned from Dave was uh he explained it as that you want to come out of the hole cautiously and add momentum as you get the bar up or as you get the dumbbells up you know that we we are in our most vulnerable position you know mm-hmm. if, if you're listening to this and you're like hey I'm going to retool my training and you don't bring the bar or the dumbbell all you know all the way down and now you decide you're going to try to go a little bit deeper with it. You don't want to just drop to the bottom and then just rip out of it because that is a vulnerable place, you know. Like I said, I think that in my opinion chest training is can be a very dangerous thing for bodybuilders. We can get hurt there. You can tear a peck, You would not be the first. Um mm-hmm. so I think there is a, an amount of caution which I wanted to mention that I use coming out of the hole. And then I add to it, like step on the pedal, you know, and then floor it as as my shoulder's engaging, as that triceps engaging, and then drive through, you know, with it. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a good point to make because I think, you know, we've probably used the word explode multiple times already. Yeah. And when we say explode, we mean through the muscle. We're generating all that force through the muscle we're trying to target. Mm. If I wanted to just explode with my full body, you know, I could I could throw the barbell through the ceiling if that was my goal to explode. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. we say explode. We're saying generate all as you're lowering, you're loading that muscle, loading that muscle, loading that muscle. You're, And then from the bottom, you're going to hit that quick pause and then generate all the force from your pecs on up, drive your back into the pad, whatever you're on, and then, you know, push it up. But we're yeah. not saying explode as in use everything underneath the bar to get that <laughs> bar up, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, that would be a-, a to b training, and we're training as we're we're talking from the perspective of bodybuilding.
0: So what what happens so, next after you uh, you're done with that main you know heavy lift? Uh, you're using the barbell press. I'm using the dumbbell incline. Where do you go from there?
1: So following Tuesday's workout, I went to the incline hammer strength. Um, so to preface, I don't lock out on my barbell presses. Um, I lose the connection to my chest if I lock out and my front delt or my shoulder will roll over yeah and it it just um, it's not beneficial for me so I go up I only my range of motion is as high as I can get the bar where I still feel tension on my chest when I don't feel that anymore is where it stops so from an outsider looking in it might be like oh he's not doing full reps but I'm just doing the reps that are keeping the tension on my chest I don't want to Fully lock out and put my tricep, you know, lock my arms out, and then have the weight be on my front delts. Yeah,
0: that's one thing David does do. I know because he's, he's talked about like pressing through, and I I don't do that either. I still have been stopping shy. Uh, for me, that's what I feel most comfortable with, and really, I can say that with most exercises, I do from the time that the weight is unracked to the time I rack it. There's tension in the muscle. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and there's no point where I'm actually like, like completely locked out anywhere. I guess I feel the same thing. I get a lot of, I, I get a lot of bicep tendonitis and when I completely yeah. lock out, I definitely, I definitely feel that there.
1: Yeah. Maybe it's cause, um, you know, we both have pretty long arms. Maybe that, that contributes, leverages contribute. Um, and it, you know, Dave's, a, he's a crazy strong presser, right? So yeah, he's crazy you know, he's, strong on everything. Yeah, he's uh, he, I mean, he would know better than us of what what's the right way or the wrong way. I just try to do the way that where I keep tension on the muscle that I'm trying to work, and you know, I've, the results are there that my chest finally started growing when I stopped doing the things I was doing. So I just I follow that. It's a very bro science approach, but I'm not telling you don't lock out. I'm just saying yeah. if if you are, maybe you know audit your training, but. What, I, what I'm getting at is next up's incline hammer strength. On this one, I will lock out. Because, uh, okay. Um, I don't – that thing that happens on the barbell where the shoulder rolls over, it doesn't happen on the incline hammer strength. I think because I'm in a more fixed position and I don't have to worry about stability. Yeah. Um, all I have to do is, you know, come down. I keep my elbows tucked. So I set the seat real low, almost as low as it can go. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of those machines, especially hammer strength brand, they can cause like a pinch – um in my shoulder for me so i'll yep. drop the seat all the way down the grip i take is one thumb length away from the end of each handle
0: that's exactly um, what i do everything you've explained so far when i use that machine i try to do the same low seat really?
1: yeah. yeah hands right in there yeah the hand placement i have to give credit to dante on because i hmm. um i used to probably be wider again okay. because i could i could move more weight and i was you know chasing the logbook when i first got in dc i was very like Focused on beating my numbers by any means possible, even if it meant shit form. So Dante, he, I think he put a video out or he sent something to Dusty. I can't remember, but since then I've been thumbs from the end of the, uh, the handles. That's where my grip goes. And from there, I feel like I can really drive and I push my back into the pad and then I squeeze everything from here to here. Nice inward and almost try to make it touch my chin. Yeah. Um, and on that one, I'll lock out. So my thinking is, is that, I'm getting the overall load and gravity um, and a a, a lot more stretch with the incline barbell and then when i go to incline hammer strength i'm still getting some stretch but my my main emphasis on that is um is the lockout so i'll still take it as low as i can before you know my shoulders take over but um i'm really trying to drive my back into the pad and and i want to finish you know up here yeah yeah almost like i'm trying to squeeze my wrists and elbows together
0: you know what I like doing that that type of movement on? We talked about this machine before. Um, all around, all the different uh, Metro Detroit powerhouse gyms have the Magnum brand incline press machines. It's kind of like yeah. a slightly cheaper incline press machine, and it's converging handles. And, yeah, just the way that my hands come up, it's like I can get this drive and this squeeze through the pecs, you know, while completely locking it out at the top. I've I've done a movement you're talking
1: about with that machine and liked it a lot. I love that machine. If my gym had one, I would use that exclusively. Um, yeah. Anything that mimics that, because what, it's like a, you know, a 75 degree angle with the bench. And it's almost like that little gap where it hits is like exactly what I'm missing in my chest. That That fullness right here. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like when I when I when I'm able to do one of those machines if I'm traveling, I love it. So um yeah, that I think it's called like a super high incline press. I don't know the exact
0: Oh from name Hammer? Of it,
1: but, uh Hammer has one, and then yeah. Magnum has one. Um I think Legend has one too with the converging handles. Yeah. Um they're they're nice. They're very uh, especially for, I feel like with guys with long arms, they're just built for us. How many really sets get, do you do with that exercise? Um two working. So okay. with, with that one, I wanted to get two working sets of eight to 10. And um, the goal was to hold the same weight with the second set or go up weight. If I felt that it was an easy 10, um, it wasn't an easy 10. So I kept the same weight. And my goal was just to match the reps, which I did. And I got, you know, three plates on each side for 10 and then three plates on each side for nine. Um, which i'm okay with um warm-up wise it was just one plate each side and the warm-up's already done for me at this point i just need to touch the weight so it's nothing to surprise to me yeah so it was just you know five reps with one plate on each side three reps with two plate on each side into three and all right i'm ready to go um by this time like i've you know i've put down three quarters of my intra which is a liter and a half of fluid um i'm mentally i'm checked in i just had my my meat and potato movements out of the way so now everything else is just icing on the cake yeah um and this is where i just try to really you know push blood volume and 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 training as hard as i can with each rep
0: yeah yeah that's cool man i feel like what we're doing isn't too dissimilar i have um it's a company called f light it's a chest press with converging handles um when i bought it I actually looked at, the guy had both the incline and the flat version. I generally feel better on incline machines, but for some reason, the flat machine felt great. And you can incline the bench slightly. It goes it goes up moderately, but the higher you go, the less clearance you have to get under the pad, under the handles. So okay. uh, I have it on a slight incline, and I keep my elbows in. Uh, what I'm looking for on this second exercise now is more like to flush the blood full of muscle. Or excuse me, flush the muscle full of blood is what I'm I'm attempting to do. Um, I'm you know, I, I've gotten my my big scary lift out of the way where I've really challenged myself and I've done something I've never done before. And at this state I wanna use a weight that I can get, you know, a ballpark 10, 10 reps with now. Ten to even Twelve, Maybe I'll even go higher on a, a random occasion. But at this point, though, I really like to just flush blood into the muscle, and I'll do about two sets of that, you know, two failure. Both of them are two, you know, absolute failure. But at this point, it's not as much of a challenge for me. Like, the the stress is off of me for this exercise now. I feel a lot more relaxed, and I'm obviously pumped from having done the first exercises, and from here now it's, it's it's more about, like I said, getting to, like, finishing the muscle off. hmm I may use yeah. that. Occasionally, I'll do... Um, I, now, I also have a, a bar, um, a Kabuki Strength uh, Cadillac bar, which has neutral grip handles on it. Occasionally, I'll use that instead, but I'm thinking the same thing. It's not like a heavy be-all, end-all weight. Um, this is now a movement where I am just working on, like, trying to get more out of the muscle in that, you know, round top 10 reps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very
1: similar to how we we, we approach things very similar.
0: That's interesting. That's uh, interesting. I knew we did in some ways, but I didn't, I didn't realize it was to that extent.
1: Yeah. Well, i I mean, I've followed your, uh, your progression with the, the incline dumbbell. Cause I know you were posting that one pretty heavily. Um, just the ability to get strong, I think is, uh, is key. Yeah for anyone listening like our end goal is still you know maximum strength with proper form while training like bodybuilders um when we had you know I know I had to lighten the load and I think you're the same I had to completely go back to square one and reinvent my press almost yeah to be a to press with you know with chest in mind versus just overall weight on the bar or weight on the machine um but then from there once we established it the goal became the same again is to get as strong as we can. Yeah. Um, pushing for strength in every movement. So that's still the mindset I carry. Um, you know, I will, not so much right now, but even in the off season, like I'll use fives. I don't an incline hammer. I'll use tens. I'll use those little weights just to progress any way I can. Um, because those they add up. That's what gets you to a 45 is five, tens, 25, right? So. Absolutely. Um, keep in mind that. Uh anybody listening, especially newer people, like once you do standardize your form, which you should just attempt to do from the beginning, don't do it like we did and do it wrong for years and then have to go backwards and then go forward again. Right, but, learn now. Yeah. It's, uh, strength is, is a stronger muscle is a bigger muscle.
0: Yeah, yeah, no question, man. Um, Do you do so, another exercise from here then?
1: Yeah, so I go from incline hammer, right next door to it is the decline hammer. Um it's awesome because I just take my weights right up the incline hammer, start putting them on the decline hammer. Nice. Um, that one is. I still train for strength, but with the way I position my body into that machine, there's only so strong I'm going to get because a lot of, it kind of can be a stability one. So, huh. I drop again. I drop the seat pretty low. Um, I go same same grip, thumb away, and then I'll slide my hands out ever so slightly a little bit more so i'm a little wider yeah just somewhere where i can feel that lower pec stretch as i'm at the bottom now this one i put both my legs in front of the uh in front of the bottom of the seat and my legs the seat's lower but it's not all the way down so my feet actually don't touch when i put my legs in front and then i'll cross my feet And then from there, I try to scoot my butt forward so I'm not all the way flush against the back of the pad. I'm kind of, my butt's forward, and I'm almost at like an angle now. Yeah. My upper back's against the pad, and then when I press, so if I'm in the stretch here, my head's forward slightly, and then from here, as I press forward, again, same thing as I did on the incline hammer, I drive everything back, and I try to lock out and squeeze those pecs together. Okay. And uh, this one, I'm really trying to feel everything contracts so on this one every rep has to have a two count contraction okay two count pause at the contraction yeah so i can really emphasize finishing that um that's where my mindset is on uh, with this machine in particular and i don't do anything else i don't do decline barbell i don't do a decline fly it's only decline hammers the only thing i'll do and for some reason i think maybe because i've my whole chest is already you know activated by this point like I get a lot of activation in the upper pec too like i feel like everything's coming across and really squeezing up okay so i'm feeling everything from here up into here yeah. um, and this one two work sets maybe the same way maybe different they're both a failure but 10 to 12. um so two plates aside usually will be my first set and then three plates aside will be my second set um Again, I could go heavier, but I wouldn't be able to do what I just mentioned. I wouldn't be able to get full lockout and get that two-count contraction on each rep. Okay. And that's my ultimate goal with this one is to really make sure I'm sticking that contraction and holding it. And when I'm holding it, I'm not just holding it there and, like, chilling, thinking about what I'm going to have for lunch. Yeah. I'm actively thinking about squeezing the hell out of my pecs on on each rep and then come back down. And it's almost like you're loading up and then driving, loading up and then driving. So. Um, I think we touched on the first episode, like these sessions are very mentally stimulating. So, you know, this would kind of differentiate between someone that goes to the gym just to work out for general health. And then like, what we're talking about is training. Yeah. It's a men- it's a mental stimulus just as much as it is physical. And if your head's not in it, if you're you know thinking about some other shit outside of the gym, your session's going to suffer because of that. So yeah, that's a big thing, too, is to, you know, leave any external bullshit that you got going on in your own personal life at the door when you walk in. I mean, I'm only there an hour 15. I can whatever problems I have or whatever else I have to do is going to be there when I get when I get done.
0: You're going to have 23 other hours of drama. Just take. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you know what, too? You're right, because I think, too, it, it, here's I think where an issue can come in with if you were training like me. That second exercise that I'm getting into, it would be easier to unplug. When I say that the stress is gone, I'm still very focused on what I'm doing, you know, and I'm still only doing a couple sets on this movement. So I am making sure that I stay plugged in. I've seen it where, you know, you get through the heavy stuff and now it's all fun and games, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I do want to have fun with my workout. I want to keep it enjoyable, but, you know, it, it is important to continue staying, you know, plugged in. For me, um, that's all I do. I only do two exercises because I'm training push-pull legs. And so from there, I'm going to two shoulder movements and then one tricep movement. So it works out a little bit different for for me at this stage. Um, That's generally what I do. Right now, uh, coming back from being ill, I am just training one body part. But that workout's not even worth talking about on a podcast. It is not (laughs) podcast-worthy
1: So when you're in your full push-pull-leg swing, um, are you rotating chest exercises that you're doing session to session? Or are you sticking with those same that same two?
0: Depends on how I'm feeling. There are going to okay. be times where um, if I'm getting really strong and I'm like, hey, I, I'm going to push this out so that I hit chest again in five days and I want to try to beat that number, there may be a time that I may be able to do that. Otherwise, I am rotating it. Um, you know, I mentioned having the, uh, the Kabuki bar. Um, I just got that, but before that I'd use a, a barbell, uh, just standard barbell, and I may do an incline press and work on getting stronger with that. For me, I'm not a very strong barbell incline or barbell presser in general. I, I feel like my shoulders have seen their better days. I have to be careful with it. So it's almost mm-hmm. like my less hard workout, you know, I'll I'll do barbell movements more for like 12 reps to failure instead of 8 reps to failure with the dumbbells. So it's it's not as hard of a workout though I am still working on getting just as much engagement out of it. It's not the fun workout put it that you know the way it's not the one where I'm like really overloading it. So so yeah there I would say there is a level of intuitiveness on on how often I am pushing but I would say in general, there's going to be like one more intense chest workout and then one less intense chest workout where I'm not going to like the absolute, you know, the absolute ends doing something I've never done before. OK, Yeah. that makes
1: sense.
0: Yeah, I found you know what it is, is that I found splitting it up helps me a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, I was doing five day split. Uh, for that last prep, uh, you and I both ended up at, uh, uh, out in Grand Rapids for the, the Western. Um, that prep, my shoulder was really bothering me um, uh, on, my, on my presses. So what I ended up doing was doing two chest exercises uh, one day and then coming back on my shoulder day and doing two more chest exercises and i found that if i were to only limit it to two exercises my shoulder didn't bother me so i could still hit my full chest workout which had been four exercises at the time uh, but split it up through the week and then what i discovered was i continued doing that after the prep and i i did everything else one body part a week and then i thought okay i'm looking in the mirror my chest grew like i changed nothing else nothing else was different the only variable i changed was how I trained my chest, the frequency and volume. And I saw the results from that. So that's when I decided to myself, well, what if I were to do everything that way? And slowly mm-hmm. over the next two years, I transitioned over to, to training push-pull legs. And then my volume or my frequency started getting to be you know a little bit more spread out too. Uh, I don't do two times a week. I, that would crush me. But I would say about every five days, I, I train a body part.
1: Yeah, I'm very. I mean, similar. Just I don't split it, and there's one more movement I do, which I'll get to. But oh, you do. Um, yeah, because I hit everything. Every body part gets hit every seven. Yeah, so we're on a fixed schedule right now, so we have the same two off days every week. Okay. Um. So everything's getting touched every seven. I mean, obviously, that you know other muscles come into play on different days, but so I hit chest on Tuesdays. I'm not going to hit it again until next Tuesday. Right. So for me, that's when I, because I did, I found with push-pull legs, same as you, like the frequency start, once I got to a certain level of strength, it almost, the frequency was too short. I needed, even though the volume was low, I still needed more time. Yeah. Um, And that might be my own recovery capabilities. Everyone's different, but, um, you know, I can really hammer the muscle on one day and still keep, still train the way I want with low volume, high intensity. And then it's almost like peace of mind knowing like, all right. Even if I feel sore as hell for the next three days, I still have ample time to feel good by by the time I have to do this again. Absolutely. Um, so, but yeah, that fourth movement I run to is a, a flat fly, flat dumbbell. Okay. Um, and this one's all about the stretch for me. I like to finish with the movement and the stretch. Um, I got that from um, obviously in DC. You finished chest training with. A forced stretch, a force loaded stretch. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what we incorporate into this movement. So every rep has a five count stretch in the hole. So for me, that allows because I, um, I probably couldn't connect with flies, dumbbell flies, for years. I huh. did them, but I, I had no idea. Like they were not hitting my chest at all. They were just, you know, <laughs> right across that front delt. Mm. Just really didn't feel good. Um, and I'm not terribly strong on them, so. What I've done to make this movement work for me is it's I don't try to get real wide. I keep it almost like a 90 and I just try to keep that chest up thoracic spine extended and let the elbows drop almost like a, it's almost like a fly press, but it's not a full fly press. Okay. Um, but that five count in the hole allows me to make sure like we talked about in the beginning where I'm engaging pec. I'm not letting my shoulders hop up and I'm not holding the weight on my front delt. I'm still down here. The chest is stretching, the chest is stretching. And then like you, you mentioned, I'm focused on driving up with my pecs versus just moving the weight out of the hole. Yeah. Um. So we'll do two sets of that to finish it off, you know, eight to 10 reps, but with a five count hold in each rep, that's like, that's a minute under tension.
0: That's a lot. Yeah.
1: Um, and that's how you're finishing. And then you're also finishing by, you know, getting the benefits of loaded stretching post-training. Which is just gonna help with hypertrophy, so after that one, I mean my chest is fried, I couldn't yeah. do another movement even if I wanted to, so you know, four movements is our cap, sometimes three you know if if we're really not even if we we tax it on the other ones, but yeah, four will be the absolute max, and then um so with shoulder training since I don't do that on this day, we don't really do any shoulder presses so. I'm kind of the same as you, as I've got some spongy shoulders, um, and I'm trying to keep longevity in mind. So we might throw in one shoulder press, and if we do, it's it's after we do a lot of, like it's after three movements. So our strength is already going to be compromised, and we're not training that movement to all out like we would, you know, on, on chest. Yeah, yeah. We're only going to be as strong as we could be for being the fourth movement of that day. So. That's how I'm able to keep my shoulders intact for pressing is by putting 75 to 80% of my pressing work is only for chest because that's what I need over delts. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, obviously everyone has different needs. So I'm not telling everyone you have to do it this way. This is what I've customized to my, you know, little tweaks and injuries that I've had to work through and for sure. to my programming. And Scott's done the same thing. But the point is, as we're trying to get you to look deeper into your training, other than just thinking like, Oh yeah, I train hard, I check that box, I'm all good. Yeah. What's my next cycle? Right? Yeah. I yeah. I am fascinated by the ability to dive into our training, the fact that you and I can have a genuine conversation about our training sessions and, and really, you know, get into the X's and O's of it. Like that's that's the stuff I love. Um, and if you're that hyper focused on on your training, anything you take cycle wise is gonna have a positive effect.
0: Absolutely. And you'll so, probably be able to handle taking less, you know, if you're mm-hmm. if you're getting that much out of your training. And look, you know what we're talking about, too. I, I, I We did get one uh, criticism uh, on our last show. Uh, somebody said, look, you, you don't need to do all this. You don't need to think about it. You just get in there. You lift weights, you lift heavy and you go eat food. That's bodybuilding. Bodybuilding isn't analyzing everything and breaking it down. But the reality is is that after you might not need to do what we're doing. That may work for you. It may work for you forever, and if that's the case, more power to you. But if it doesn't, uh, then then this is the next route, is thinking about, well, if I am pressing this and my chest isn't growing, why is that? And there's a lot of people out there that have that very issue. So I thought before we wrapped this thing up – we could maybe talk about what are some of the common issues that we see. Uh, if somebody's listening to this, they're 50 minutes in. That means that I think they they may need some help uh, with their chest training. Hopefully, they've picked a few things up. Um, you know, wh- one of the common issues I think we've talked about is the, the shoulder thing, you know.
1: Shoulder, I, shoulder mobility, 100%.
0: Yeah, and, and pressing from the shoulders, you know, not not using the pecs. Um, I think that that's, that's all I did from the start. And like my first contest, my delts had popped out, but my chest was just non-existent still, you know, it's by comparison.
1: Um, when you started out, were you naturally a stronger presser on shoulder movements? than Absolutely.
0: Chest? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And do you think that you gravitated towards that <clears throat> because you had a natural strength towards it? So you might've wanted to go in on that more. Cause I know I was the same way. Shoulder pressing came easier than um, anything with a, you know, I could probably military press as much as I could venture incline, you know, back when I was first starting out. So dude, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to go in on that movement. That was like, all right, yeah. I can at least look semi respectable on this. So yeah, let, let's blow these delts up.
0: <laughs> I think that's the case with everyone. You know, you find something that you're good at and that's what you, that's what you keep doing. Yeah, man. I, I remember training shoulders as a middleweight with a guy who was a strong man and we were pressing the same dumbbells like because and That's I felt crazy. good about that, you know. But in mm-hmm. reality, though, man, my chest was way. B- I think at the time I was inclined pressing 90s and I was shoulder pressing the 130s, a seated shoulder press. But it's like that was the heaviest I got and I could do sets of, you know, four sets of that you know, for, for, for good reps too. Like we're not talking like five reps, we're talking eight reps, but yeah, my, Mm -hmm. my chest was way behind. I think you make a really good point, man. At the time though, I didn't change that. I was just happy. I could press something that was 130 pounds, you know?
1: Yeah. I remember 100 pound dumbbells were like, that's almost like what it was like to get to 200 pounds for me. It was like, if I could move, if I could do something with the hundred pound dumbbells, yeah, I'm some, I'm somebody I'm in the triple digit club. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm doing the hundreds. That's because that's the end of the stack, or that's closer to the end of the stack. That's like the hierarchy of the gym. I'm gonna be respected because I'm using hundreds. So absolutely, I think I I fell into that trap. I think that's interesting that you did too. That's funny that we we're both naturally strong with shoulders, so we decided to to go after that one, and just kind of chest was an afterthought.
0: No, what I ended um, up learning was to is we talked about it a little bit before was um uh uh pre fatiguing. Uh, My coach, uh, I started training with him after that first show. And every day we did chest, we would start with the pec deck. And I could not do as much on the barbell bench press after that as I could if I had gone in fresh. But it made a difference. Uh, I've talked to Scott Stevenson about it on some Muscle Minds episodes. You do get more overall activation in your workout if you were to start with that. So I found that to be my workaround. I didn't focus on better engagement like we're talking about. I just focused on PEC deck first.
1: And do you find that? I guess if you had to pick one or the other, which way would you say is the better way, or does it have to be a better way? Is either one an option?
0: I think that learning the engagement was probably a smarter move. You know, mm-hmm. I probably could have avoided some shoulder issues because I still was doing the same stuff I did before. But I did, I did, I do think it helped. Because I did get more activation out of the pec, and then when I went into those pressing movements, they were already warmed up, and I could already feel it. You know, so I do think that it did make a difference.
1: So it almost like you you coached yourself in the ability to have the mind muscle down the road where you're at now, in a a way, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Because I did something similar. I, I I had a strength block where I. I did cable crossovers as my opener yeah. just for that very, very purpose was to, I I deemed it as like I was getting blood in the packs. I was getting activated, all that. Yeah. And, and now that I, I don't think it was wrong, but I just, I think there's a better way to do it. I agree. And that's kind of the way we're talking about. I think you shouldn't do a movement long-term. You shouldn't be doing a movement first. That's going to take away from your overall strength, because what have we covered in this is that, a stronger muscle is a bigger muscle, and if I'm compromising my strength on my press, because I mean, we're if if you have a press versus a fly, I mean, a press is how you build a chest. Look at I mean, success leads clue. Anybody with a big chest, they they have some impressive pressing movements, right? So, um, it's good that we were able to find a way to activate the chest and learn. Yeah. But long long story short is that the best way to do it is to. Um, learn the overall movement, learn the overall engagement of the pecs, and then start with your press.
0: I, I can't argue with that, man. If you could retrain yourself to get that activation out of the pec first, I think that that, that, would, be, that would be huge. Uh, I think another thing that, that I see with chest is uh, overall tightness being an issue. And I mm-hmm. see that with a ton of people. Now, I lean forward when we're sitting here, you know, and everything's kind of coming forward. But in reality, when I'm sitting natural, I'm I'm more like this. Um, okay. And the thing that you want to see, like I learned this from uh, Dr. Ken Kanakin. He said, like, look at your hands. If you're sitting there and your hand is turned forward, if you could see the back of your hand, then your chest has pulled you that way. You get the, you know, the like yeah. you get the bodybuilder Neanderthal ape look. You know what I mean? You don't want that. And and we end up having a lot of issues. I think uh, in bodybuilding uh, with with tight pecs. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're pulling forward that those muscles get tight and that they're pulling you this way. That can cause all sorts of issues, like the shoulder issue I've talked about. That's in part responsible. And I think that if you can keep that stuff loose uh you can you could definitely get stronger, you can stay healthier while you're doing it, and long term will have a bigger chest
1: yeah, and I think that's a good point to touch on i I definitely have to credit to a lot of the the body work and, and the, the the maintenance I do on my body is my as my mobility has increased it's allowed my range of motion to increase yeah and that's allowed my muscle to have a bigger threshold to grow um If I look at videos of me pressing four years ago versus today, the range of motion is probably half and the chest development was probably half or less. Hmm. So I think the more we're talking about activation, in order to get activation, you have to have the ability to get to those points of activation. So I know I see a PT. I see, I have a guy that does some body tempering on me. I've, I've worked with plenty of people in Michigan before I moved out here. Um, I look at that as like, you know, some of it was for pain and I actually had injuries, but other parts of it was like, this is an investment in my training performance. Um, And I know you saw, you saw her name, Becky. Yeah. 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 Yeah, You saw her. um, Did you, did that translate into you having better range of motion with your pressing?
0: So with my shoulder issues, well, yeah, well, here's the deal. With my shoulder issues that I had, I stopped doing a lot of pressing for a while. And I, could, I got to the point where it's like, if I went to this gym, I can use that machine. If I go to this gym, I can use that machine. And then I'll add a fly to that. And that's what my chest workout is. That's where it went for a while. Um Having see if I used a dumbbell, even like twenty five, thirty pounds, like light, I would feel it in that bicep tendon, man. It would scream at me, and I just couldn't do it. I saw Becky, and the very next day, I was doing sets of nineties uh, on dumbbell press, flat dumbbell press. So, it was a huge overnight difference. That's intense, yeah. And that's that's what I'm getting at, too, man. With that that tightness, because I do see a lot of the young guys. That are especially like you're getting geared up. You're new into bodybuilding. You have started to grow some muscle. I think one of the first things I see is those pecs get overly tight. They're pulling you forward, and it's going to affect your ability to continue progressing from there. You know.
1: No, absolutely. I think, and and I guarantee, there's some people that are going to listen to this, and they're going to they're going to have that aha moment where it's like, I'm that guy. I'm the guy who was. 25 pound presses are a grind for me and like you said you had one session with her and we're moving 90s and how many people are just like they just they've accepted that that's where they're at sure I've had that with certain injuries not related to the chest but like I just accepted like this is as much activation as I can get this is this is life and then I got fixed and I'm like it's almost like a reawakening you're like holy hell i have i have all this range of motion that i haven't been able to tap into for x amount of time so that's what i'm getting at with the body work because if you are listening to this and you're that guy that's like you know you feel 135 on a bar not in a good way and you're someone who used to be able to press more yeah that's your body's telling you something you're something is not opening up and there's a there's a blockage there's a trigger point somewhere that needs to be released and that's what a lot of these experts can do. If you have someone in your area, I mean, everyone's different. I'm blessed to be where I'm at in Arizona. We have a lot of good people out here, but um, I would, I just, I mentioned that when it comes to training because I wouldn't even be training, i train if it wasn't for the work people I've worked with. So I look at any money on that as an investment in your performance.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree 100% man. Well, listen, let's wrap this thing up uh, while we're here. I think we shared some really good information. Uh, Hopefully, hopefully some light bulbs get turned on here. Like I said at the beginning, um, you know, I have people who are interested in learning, you know, what do you do? How do you do this? And so hopefully being able to sit down with you and being able to have these conversations, we can answer some of those questions that those guys have. And, uh, you know, they might be able to get a little bit more out of their training. Uh, If you were to tell people to do one thing today to change their training, what one thing could they do, Tommy, to improve, you know, next time they walk in the gym and train chest?
1: I would say with whatever you're going to do, pause everything for a full at least one count in the stretch of every rep. And that will show you, you will learn right then and there if you're activating your chest out of the bottom of the movement or not. I like that. Or if you're, if you're bypassing it completely, right? I like you touched that. On it. I did the same thing. I, I blasted through the chest. I, I completely bypassed activating my chest out of the bottom for years. Hmm. So that, that's almost like a litmus test is, is do that. Do it with your warm-ups. Obviously, don't do it with a, a weight. You know, You're probably going to have to lower your numbers. Yeah. But test yourself if if you're at the bottom of a press and let me get my camera here there you go and your shoulder wants to from that from that pause position it goes up and then you go up then that's telling you something you're you're not getting the full activation you could or you're not keeping the tension you could um and that might not even be a tightness issue here that might be something in the thoracic that might be something in the tear like something back everything can kind of seatbelt each other that's why it's yep the point is, is just to kind of turn turn that light bulb on and make you think if you are someone who's struggling to develop a chest and i think i think everything kind of falls into two ca- like there's some people who the first time they started benching they grew a chest right yep and then there's guys like us that didn't so i think <laughs> you're either going to go one or two ways and maybe you're in the middle and you want to get more chest development um this is just meant this whole thing is kind of just meant to help you turn that light bulb on and think and audit your training and really ask yourself, am I training the muscle or am I just training a movement? Am I, am I training my chest or am I training everything that has to do with my upper body just to say I'm training my chest? You know what I mean? I just, I want people to turn that light bulb on and really get, um, really get in depth with how they're analyzing the training.
0: Yes, sir. I couldn't agree more. Um, if people want to reach out to you, Tommy, where's the best way to follow along with what you're doing and follow along with your prep?
1: Right now it's uh Instagram. Um I have a website being developed, but it's nice. it's a, it takes its time. Um so Instagram t styles 2 s t I L E S, Um and then, you know, obviously I train with Dusty, so anything he puts out on his YouTube, um if it's training wise, I'm in there too. Nice. Um but yeah, that's 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 it for following along with me right now.
0: Cool, man. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how uh things you know, come along for your prep. I'm sure we'll get another one of these knocked out before you get too brain dead. Uh, you know, everybody who's watching, thank you guys uh, for following along with what we're doing here. And, uh, like I said in the beginning, if you have suggestions on the next muscle group that you'd like to see us, uh, talk about, uh, definitely let us know. Tommy styles, man. It's been a pleasure as always, brother. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having me.